the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And it is another round of Joe Talk. Me, Joe Serpico, and on the other side of the mic is my man, Joe Broback. What's up? We've been waiting for this one for a while. Yeah, I know you've been really looking forward to this uh Don't act like you episode. haven't been excited, too. Don't be putting me in the only person as excited here. Okay, touche. After last year's uh, antics when we talked about USF, it's uh, only fitting that we f- finally decided, let's bring on somebody else that maybe agrees with what me and Joe said a lot of last year. And we are pleased to be joined by... Nathan Bond, who is the co-host of the Bulmanati podcast over at the Daily Stampede, which is SB Nation's home for U.S. Uh, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. Nathan, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Excited to talk about the horrific 2018 season. Look forward to a hopefully much better 2019 year. Yeah, just before you jumped on, me and Joe were talking about how, I mean, we just need college football season to get here. It's like dragging at this point. It really is. It's all season way too long. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Joe, I guess I'll let you get it started because we know know that the first question is going to take up some time here. Well, we might as well just dive right into it. So, obviously, USF won their first seven games and then – dropped their final six so i guess the the main question we want you to answer is what happened in those final six games and why were fans super high on usf at seven and oh and then all of a sudden calling you know for the coach's head after they finished the six games with six losses all right so the delusional fan base of usf which is strong it's very strong thought seven oh was perfect and us at the Daily Stampede, you know, eh, numbers can lie. Um, you know, it took two kickoff returns against Georgia Tech uh, to win that game. Uh, a 14-point comeback at Illinois in Soldier Field. Uh, a fourth-quarter touchdown versus CCU. A last-minute field goal against Tulsa. And then we had to recover an onside kick against UConn to win our seventh and final game. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, the first seven games were a mirage, and then you saw the ass end of USF football those last six games. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, me and Joe basically said the same thing that, that you said, that you could tell that even though they were winning those first seven games, that there were certainly some weaknesses there, and a lot of lucky bounces went their way, obviously. Um, obviously, everybody looks at, you know, what's going on with the quarterback position. That is... Looks like it's Blake Barnett's job. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know you can tell us for sure if there's really anybody pushing him right now, and if so, what does it look like behind him? Because I'm, I'm not mistaken, he's a senior this year. Yeah, so it, it's Blake's job. Uh, he's entrenched as the starter. He got banged up. Um, former offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert kind of ran him into the ground. Uh, he banged up his shoulder, uh, and then against Temple, I believe he messed up his knee, something rotten. And he tried his best uh, to get back to the ball game, and uh, that entire ball game process was a disaster for the team. They told people suspended. Blake didn't take a snap during bowl prep, and then uh, 
came in two series into the game trying to get a spark. The, the offense was in shambles uh, toward the end of the year. And it's Blake, and then there's redshirt freshman uh, Jordan McLeod, who is the younger brother of former Clemson all-purpose receiver back returner Ray Ray McLeod uh, from the Tampa area. So he's got some good chops. He was head and shoulders, uh, the best backup option USF had uh, this spring. USF lost two guys to transfers. Uh, Brett Keane went to Charlotte, and Chris Oladukin went to Stanford. Uh, and then today, um, so Wednesday night, I you know, reported that Red, a true freshman coming in, Jack West Evans, had minor uh, ankle surgery. So he'll be, hopefully he'll be back for fall camp. If not, we're rolling with two scholarship quarterbacks and uh, I think three preferred walk-ons at the quarterback position. So it could get dicey real early if uh, Wisconsin or Georgia Tech get to Blake Barnett. So last year, Gilbert took a lot well, a lot of heat from maybe it was just the delusional fans or maybe it was all the fans, but it seemed like he was kind of the the center of attention when it came to the issues offensively. So now that he's gone, what can we expect from the offense and how is it going to be different from last year? Uh, so Sterling was the bane of everyone's existence. Uh, delusional, normal, just the realistic fans knew that Sterling was the main problem. Uh, at USF. The players did not like him whatsoever. Uh, to tell you the story, 2017, which was Charlie Sterling's first year at USF, former quarterback Clinton Flowers did not know Sterling's last name for probably the good first month and a half, two months that he was there. He called him Coach Gilbertson. Um, wow. Anytime, anytime Clinton talked about the quarterback position, he referred to Coach King, and that is uh, former Bucks quarterback Sean King who was the QB coach in 2016 and got moved to running backs coach when Sterling came on board um, you know it was always coach King always tells me coach King always tells me this or he you know we spoke about this and that was the first red flag and it just it went downhill um, and Sterling by the grace of God Sterling was somehow offered a head coaching job uh, it, that is the biggest trick athletic director Michael Kelly has ever done for USS. How he got someone to pay Sterling Gilbert real money to not be at USF anymore. It's build him a statue. It was truly amazing. And this new offense is coming in uh, D2 Valdosta State head coach Kermit Bell. Uh, he went to Florida and put the 80s or 70s. He's an old, old head. Everyone, he coached at Jacksonville University for a long time. Uh, won the national championship last year. His offense averaged 52 points a game. His son, Cade, called the plays, and he came down to Tampa with Kerwin in this they have a mantra. It's play fast, score faster. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to see a more Willie Taggart-esque style of offense, and that's what you kind of, that's what you need at USF, you need with the Florida athletes, you need to get them in space and let them make a guy miss and take off downfield. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. Um, the offense under Kerwin Bell at his previous stops has a tendency to start slow first couple of games, but then when they get their feet under them, they kind of take off. And I, 
I would expect that, especially against Wisconsin and Georgia Tech, that the offense kind of sputters before we start seeing it click. Yeah, I think that's always expected, especially when you got a, a new coordinator in the mix and you know, a couple powerhouses to to start the year. But I guess that's a, almost kind of a perfect segue. You know, they are starting the year with Wisconsin and Georgia Tech, and there's been a lot made this off season and maybe a couple prior about uh, USF with these two for one deals, which I personally think is great for the program. But then we also know that the uh, rivals over at UCF have been kind of on your guys' asses a little bit about that. So it, you explain to us, you're, you know, you're regularly there, why this is actually a good thing. Because to, to me, it makes all the sense in the world what USF is doing right now. Well, I mean, just look at what UCF has done the past two regular seasons. You know, undefeated, awesome. But what was the thing holding them out? Who they played? Their mm-hmm. non-conference schedule was weak. Well, schedule tougher teams and that and beat them, that won't be the issue anymore. All right, if you know UCF had beaten Wisconsin and Georgia Tech, I know they had a uh, you know hurricane out, uh, and you know out of their hands, it kind of ruined that. Uh, but if you schedule tough teams and you win them, the committee has no choice but to put you in, and that's what Michael Kelly has done. Since he's gotten here, uh, there's been you know Louisville, Florida, Alabama was a big one. I was on my honeymoon when they announced that one. I got word about that a couple of days prior to them announcing it, and uh, my now wife was very upset that you know I talked about. Oh my gosh, USF is going to be playing Alabama like the first night of our honeymoon. So I appreciate USF kind of doing that. Um, but schedule good teams. You want people. I don't really care about the two for one. If they cancel the second and third game, great. We get $1.5 million each time you cancel a game. And we're not rolling in cash, so we'll take the money and we'll take the payday and a destination trip. You know, you want to go play at Alabama. You want to go play at Florida. Those are, you know, historic sites that you want to go visit that, you know, a lot of fans won't be able to do or see without this kind of thing happening. You have to know where you are. And understand that the only way you're going to get these games two for one, win them, and go from there. Speaking of the schedules, we'll kind of look here and we'll get a prediction from you later. But uh, I guess the one good thing that I've noticed is that they don't have to play Derek King, who gave them a ton of trouble the last couple of years. Um, but with this schedule um, and how things have been going for Charlie Strong. How hot is his seat right now? Like, is he in, is he in danger of losing his job this year, or what's his status at that? You know what? So I was probably either driving the train or I was right next to the conductor of, okay, why is Charlie still here? Uh, but the changes that he's made this offseason have given me hope that he kind of he figured it out. His first two years, uh, his – Half of his coaching staff were, you know, they were subsidized by the Texas buyout. So he was kind of stuck with them because, you know, the assistant coaches pool wasn't that big. This year, I think it grew by like $1.2 million. I think it's at $3.4 million for the assistant coaches pool. And you saw what uh, he was able to bring in. Half of the on-field coaching staff is new, and there's a new energy. Um you know, there's not a coach trying to fight a player, which happened at Houston. 
there's just a different vibe to the team from since from right after the bowl game to today. Uh, it looks like the team likes each other. I didn't know, oh, this is the closest team I've ever been around. But I, I'm telling you, from last year to this year, it is night and day about how close these guys are. So I, I, I don't think he's on the hot seat at all. All right, interesting. Um, Joe kind of alluded to the first second there. Uh, the schedule... Other than those first two games of the year, you know, Wisconsin and Georgia Tech, they're going to be rough ones. But the most of the conference games work out in USF's favor. Um, you know, their road games, if, I'm, if I wrote this all down right, is at UConn, at Navy, at ECU, and obviously the regular season finale against UCF. But then, you know, the, the home games, you get Temple at home, Cincinnati at home, Memphis at home. So give us a record prediction heading in this year. I think the floor is eight and four. Um, you could talk me to ninety three, ten and two if things really break right. <laughs> if if they can pull off uh, the Wisconsin game and Georgia Tech game, the, the hope for this team kind of skyrockets. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is replacing four offensive linemen and they're replacing a quarterback. So first time quarterback on the road with four new guys in front of them. I'm not saying that Wisconsin's going to lose, but there's a shot. And then at Georgia Tech, who knows what kind of offense we're going to get from Jeff Collins transitioning from the triple option. Uh, there's a lot of question marks, especially those first two games, that we have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but after that, I mean, it's kind of smooth sailing for a little bit. I mean, I could see this team being 5-2 and two or, you know, 5-1 and one heading to the Navy game uh, on October 19th and kind of cruise from there. And the, the awesome thing is, in November, they don't leave the state of Florida. There's three of the four hardest games that are in the conference are at home. Temple, Cincinnati, Memphis. And then, you know, do finish off Black Friday at UCF. But the, set, the schedule set up real nice. You don't have any cold weather, cold weather games in November. Uh, and the Florida boys hate the cold weather. No matter how much you see guys going shirtless in pregame warm-ups, they absolutely hate it. Wow, that's that is a nice schedule. I would, I'm not envious, or I am envious of how they get to finish your three home games and then the big one at the end. Uh, so we'll wrap this up. We'll switch gears a little bit. Uh, so obviously you you're aware of the news with UConn, which I mean, good riddance. We don't really care. But what do you think the conference does moving forward in terms of either replacing UConn or just staying put with 11 teams? Um, so the guy I took the blog over from, Colin Sherwin, uh, wrote a piece for the blog today. Uh, uh, basically, well, I mean, if we're not going to add anyone, because there's really not someone just uber attractive right now that we are like, okay, we got to go get this team, and they will actually say yes. Because the worst thing that you can do is offer someone the, uh, the spot in the conference, and they're like, you know what, we're good. So he thought, well, instead of staying at 11, why don't we just kick out another team? Tulsa or ECU. It's in the grand scheme of things, Tulsa makes no sense in the, the AAC. People always forget that they're there. There's, I mean, you guys cover the G5. There's no media presence online. I've never seen one person on Twitter come after us after we make a joke about Tulsa because they're non-existent. They make no sense in this conference. They're good at cross-country and softball. They really provide 
no help for the conference as a whole. Uh, their basketball team's in shambles. Their football team is always bad. I mean, they choked that game away against USF last year. Uh, they had that one, um, and they just gave it away in the fourth quarter. So why not just kick them out, go to 10, start over, and figure out where you want to go from there. Um, I know it's not going to happen, but it was a nice little thought exercise because I, I don't see an attractive team for the conference that provides what even UConn's basketball and their baseball did for the conference. Yeah, I got zero arguments with everything you said there, including booting Tulsa. They also have a terrible mascot that we've talked about on this podcast before. Oh, the, the mascot is dreadful. Yes, it's really bad. Real bad. All right. I guess on that note, Nate, we want to thank you again for jumping on here. Um, just you know, plug the site, plug yourself, whatever you would like to do here. All right. Uh, the the site is thedailystampede.com. Uh, we are very active on Twitter uh, at StampedeSBN. Uh, my Twitter ha- my Twitter handle is BullsNathanSBN, and uh, we just like to have fun, make some crack some jokes at and, you know. Recently, it's been at UConn's expense, but, I mean, they deserve it. Um, U- UConn leaving the conference is like the professor dropping your lowest test grade, football, but taking three points off your other tests, baseball and basketball. That, that I'm okay with it. I will be perfectly okay with UConn leaving the conference. Yep, no arguments there. Joe, you got anything else? Negative. All right, well, there it is. Nathan, thanks again. Make sure you're following the Daily Stampede. Um, I know we will probably talk a little bit more once we get a little bit closer to college football season. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. All right, so once again, thanks to Nathan Bond from the Daily Stampede. Um, they have a great podcast over there, by the way. I was listening to it the other day. They do They do really good. It was all, I was actually laughing my ass off a little bit listening to their podcast. Um, so I guess let's just end the, with our predictions. We're going to go through every game like we have been for every team in the conference. So uh, let's start with that Wisconsin game. I, I didn't know the little the little minor details about the uh, four new offensive linemen. So that uh, kind of made me prick my ears a little bit. There, so I was maybe now starting to maybe 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 lean, but no, I just it's hard to pick a Wisconsin team that I mean, many feel you know might be the potential Big Ten representative come college football playoff season. Who knows? No, you don't think so? Well, I know USF's not beating them, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm uh, not so confident in that one either, so. I think we're both on on the record of going 0-1, right? Yeah, can't argue with that. Yeah. Now, something that he did bring up about the next game against Georgia Tech was something that I already had in my mind, too, and that was, you know, old Temple coach is now the coach at Georgia Tech, uh, Jeff Collins. Um, They are making the switch, like Nathan said, the switch from an option offense to, I mean, honestly, I don't even know what Jeff Collins is going to run down there just because... I mean, if you really think about it, that team is built to run an option. It's not really 
ready to really run routes and things of that nature. They don't have guys that really have done that for them. I, I, I will be very interested to see what they come up with in that game. I would assume that the early part of the season they will have probably a, you know, a whole lot of the option stuff and then mix in some new things and then slowly transition. But yeah, like like Nathan said, I don't know. That's that's a hard game to pick just because of that. Well, and the the thing that's tough is you have you have a a bunch of guys that have been recruited to run a triple option. Now, granted, I know they're not just they they can run more than just the option, but that's a different kind of guy than trying to get him in a spread or, you know, run what Temple's been running. So, that's a little bit different. So, I don't know well, I feel like option guys, you know, because they take more of a a toll, so they're usually like more beefier guys. So you know what I mean, like more. Okay, you find a lot of uh, fullbacks, and you know, when you talk about Navy and Army, they're like bigger guys that are running the football for the most part. And I would assume that Georgia Tech is similar. So now you've got these, you know, these these bigger guys that are going to have to try to find ways to work in space. Maybe I don't know that that's. That's an interesting dilemma down there. Yeah. I, well, and the fact that USF beat him last year is just, ah, uh, uh, yeah. I feel like I have to give them a win just because I, I don't have a legitimate concern other than it's Georgia Tech. Like, I know that USF can beat him, so, and there's, I, I don't know. I think the fact that Nathan's, confident in the new coaching staff like we don't have to worry about that and hopefully we don't have to worry about another slow start but i don't know who knows i'm gonna say win yeah i think i'm gonna go win too i think he uh he he convinced me for sure like i was already a little bit iffy going into it but he definitely convinced me and according to um bill Connolly's numbers and by the way sad to see him leave sb nation but he He's on the bigger and better things, so you can't really fault him there. Yeah, come on, Bill. But uh, he has USF as a two-point favorite on the road, which doesn't really surprise you considering like everything we just said there, and then you mentioned that they did beat Georgia Tech last year too. But then Nathan also brought up the good point that you know it did take two kickoff returns for them to pull that off. And when he was going through that, man, I almost forgot how many of those games were so, so close and literally – one little thing could have had USF not making a bowl game. Like, I forgot about how they needed the onside kick against UConn. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot about that. Uh, the Illinois game, I forgot that they were down in that game, but I, I remember now, I remember, like, you and I were like, if you can't beat Illinois, we got to worry about you for the rest of the year. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't nice want to keep down going, memory lane. Oh, I was going to say, I don't want to I don't want to go back. I want to move forward, but I also want to address the stuff we were saying and how we were right. But we'll, yeah, we'll move forward. We'll move forward. Um, so we're both giving them a win against Georgia Tech. So we're each at one and one. Um, next game, I put SC State. I'm assuming that meant South Carolina State. Uh, yes. Okay, and Bill has... Uh, Versus who? Who's another SC? Southern California State? Yeah, like, I don't know. Big Southern California State guy. You never know these days. <laughs> uh, so, Bill has them as a 43-point favorite 
in a 99% win probability. So let's let's move on. Two and one. One and two. Just kidding. All right, and then week four, they start conference play. And, man, like I said earlier, this schedule for them really works out in their favor. Like, really, really does. Um, it's nice they get this first one at home, but it's also one of those teams which you are high on that it's kind—it's of, almost kind of difficult. Yes, I agree with that. Just because you said it, I am on the SMU bandwagon again this year. But at the same time, I don't know if you see the dates here, but USF does have a week off in between the South Carolina State and SMU games. Mm. So if there are any um, offensive or defensive struggles to start these first couple weeks, they will have an extra week in there to figure some things out. So, And I'm pretty sure, even when we went through the SMU list, that I chalked this up for a... uh, USF win. I mean, SMU on the road hasn't been the uh, prettiest thing the past couple of years. Right. I don't know what I said for this, but I I like I like USF in this one. I'm pretty sure we both probably went that route. Probably. I don't know. It's hard. It's tough with that Georgia Tech game is just. I don't know. I feel confident about USF, but at the same time, if Jeff Collins has them playing well, I don't. I don't know. But I'm yeah. not gonna go back and switch my pick. So, what do we got? Three and one. Two and two. Two and two. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Excuse me. You're dude, right. Three com- and one. Dude, come on. Yeah, you're Get right. Get it together. I'm already putting check marks on the wrong side of the dude, column three, here. Three, three and one. All right, three and one. Well, four and one. Because they're gonna beat up on that Big East team. <laughs> Could you imagine if UCon- UConn goes out with a bang? Imagine <laughs> make them a bowl match- game. Yeah, right, make a bowl game somehow, really just rub it in all our faces. But, yeah, not happening. Uh, USF is a 23-point favorite, according to Bill. That number actually shocks me. I would have thought it would have been way more. Because I feel like UConn just got blown out in almost every game last year. Yeah. Well, we don't have to worry about them losing it, so... All right, then the the next game is I, I actually totally skipped over this when I was talking to Nathan, but uh, they got a home game against BYU. Yeah, a BYU, yeah, a BYU team that I mean they're kind of hard to figure out too because last year was not pretty for them. Well, it's uh, never they, pretty. Well, well, yeah, BYU is yeah they. It's like, they hey, played. let's go, let's go two and four, and then just try to muscle our way into bowl eligibility. And they always seem to do it somehow, though. Yeah, that's true. They always seem to pull it off. Now, I'm, I'm and God, I don't have the name written down, but I know BYU's coach was kind of on the hot seat at one point last year, and it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out this year. What's his name? I forget. Well, you should know it. You can't just bring that up. I don't have it written down, my friend. My gosh. Do you know what Google is? You heard of Google? It starts with an S. It starts with a K. Kalani Satake. Well, Satake. That's what it was, Satake. I was talking about his last name. Well, because he went 4-9 the year before, so... Yes, yeah, and that's why the... 
Yeah, we should talk about. Their schedule's got to be rough too. This their schedule, their schedule always is though. I know it's well, and independent. it's like we talked about with whenever the UConn podcast we just did comes out. It's the you know they're joining the AAC would give them probably maybe a little bit of an easier schedule, but oh. Okay, I'm just going to tell you the first four games for BYU this year. Utah, Tennessee, USC, and Washington. Oh! Good God, they got no breaks. And then it's USF? Finish it out at this point. So Okay, so those, those are the first four. Then it goes Toledo, USF, Boise State, Utah State, Liberty, Idaho State, UMass, and San Diego State. So you got three games at the end that are doable, but... They get two of the toughest teams in the Mountain West. They get a tough team in the MAC, and they finish with San Diego State, another team from the Mountain West that's tough. That's just a terrible. Oh, why would you want that? Yeah, well, exactly. There's no hope for oh, man. a title or anything like that. Right. And yeah, then you're you're scrapping to make a bowl game. Right yeah, at that know. point, that's just. Why wouldn't you want to play a Tulsa? Although if they if they win if they go undefeated you know that's a good team it's a big if but you know if they go undefeated that's a team that that's legit oh no doubt about that if you go through that schedule I would I would argue even if freaking Alabama went through that schedule it would be pretty impressive yeah hey but BYU Utah that is one of the most underrated rivalries in college football and it's week so one tr- so true so true do they do they regularly play like that? I don't know if it's a regular thing. It should be because they both. The best thing is they both get to wear their home jerseys. So it's blue and red on the field. I love that. That's awesome. I wish teams were able to do that more often. Yeah, I got to go to Utah's campus once. That's a very, very, very cool campus. Literally one of my favorite campuses I've ever been to. You're Mr. World Traveler, aren't you? I was actually there, well, this is when I was in college, I was there to cover uh, Temple in the NCAA tournament. Dang. Yep. Good for you. Yeah, it was all right. Can't complain. Those were the good old days. The good old days. All right, so I guess give me a winner or a loser. Oh, boy. Okay, well, now i got to look at this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give them a win just because I don't know what to expect from BYU this year. I semi-know what to expect from USF. Even though Bill, just to put it out there, Bill does have it as a two-point underdog at home in this game. I'm going BYU. All right. So Joe is 4-2, and two, and I am 5-1. and one. Are you sure? Yes, I am sure. Yeah, you are. The following week is a road game at Navy. I know you and I have talked about this several times. Playing in Annapolis seems to be more difficult for some teams than others. But with that being said, I'm already on record saying Navy is going to be terrible this year. So, 6-1. and 5-2. and two. All right, then we got next up, a road game at ECU. Hmm. Literally, at UConn, at Navy, at ECU. How amazing is that? That's your road schedule inside the conference. And then at the end, at UCF. That yes. Ain't, but that ain't bad. 
Yeah, and then like Nathan said, you know, they have the last four games of the year are all in Florida, so right. can't beat that. But I can't remember what you said on our ECU pod about whether you have this as a win or a loss. I can't remember either. I feel like you might have been a little bit delusional because of your love for ECU. You might have gave him a win here. Probably. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably. I think I did, so I'll stick with my word. I'll give ECU the win. So you're at five and three. Sure. I'm at seven and one. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Do really well in the first two thirds of the season, and then buckle well, up. Buckle up is right because I mean. I said it, they they play the next four games in Florida. Three of them are at home, but none of them are cupcakes. You got the home game against Temple. And, again, should be pointed out that another bye week is in there between this two. So USF will have an extra week to prepare for Temple. Who you know, We're going to get to Temple in a couple weeks, but uh, Temple's a team right now. Even I as an alum, really don't know what to expect from them this year. We'll find out soon enough. Yeah, we sure will. I didn't watch enough of Northern Illinois football to really know what to expect from Rod Carey, so that's that's what it is. Yeah. Um, am I really going to do this? I no, I, I'm not doing it. Temple's going to get the dub. No, Temple wins. Temple wins in South Florida. Nope. So that makes me at seven and two. I'm at six and three. And you're at six and three. And now, Can't. good luck. <laughs> See, yeah, like like we just said, it doesn't get any easier from here. All right, then you get the following. Well, there is a, I I noticed this too. There is a eleven day break. I don't know how USF managed to pull this off. All these little mini breaks they have in here. Um, what can I not count? That's a nine that's, days. That's my nine. God, that's nine. Jesus, oh my God, I can't count. Jeez, it's eleven fifteen East Coast for those that don't know. Um, the game against Cincinnati at home. Bill has Cincinnati as the favorite in this game. Uh, since he's a team that I know both you and I kind of like going in this year, now their schedule is going to make it super difficult for them to get to double-digit wins again. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to be super successful in the conference. So. So. I don't know really what to pick here. I think I like Cincy better. I can't argue. I think I have to uh, say the same, to be honest. This is one of those games, though, that's gonna where our our beliefs will pro if they might change once we get to this point, based on oh. you know, like because Cincinnati's schedule is so rough. Like right now, if you just look at it on paper, it's it's a little easier to pick. But I feel like that might change quite a bit when we finally get to this point. Yeah, I mean, we could say that for a lot of teams, too. But no, just these two. They're specials. Well, since he has a uh, a younger team, I want to I say younger just because of the uh, the quarterback situation and the running back. They're fairly young. 
in the grand scheme of things. So they they certainly have potential this year and next year. Yeah. And you know this this might be the year that finally they could be the team that dethrones UCF in the East. Wow. So what am I going here? I said so, well, I'm giving Cincinnati the win. Right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving since set six and four. You're six and four. I'm seven and three. Hmm. Next up is Memphis. I'll let you start. When's the I last think time Mem- these two teams played? Like three years ago? It's been a while, actually. How did you say that? I'm giving Memphis a win. It's not even a question. Yeah, I'm going to go the same, considering that I just picked Memphis the other day to be the G5 representative. Uh, in the... You're putting yourself in a lot of holes here. How am I putting myself in a hole? You're just picking up. You, first, you're talking about SMU's your team, and then now you're they saying are. Memphis is your team. and Memphis's schedule is so cupcake after Ole Miss in week one. Yeah, that's a big one. If they manage to pull that off, they do have a legit shot to go undefeated. We'll see. So, I've got the Bulls at seven and four after a loss to Memphis. Then six and five. And you're at six and five. And here's the interesting one. Yes, because it could really, especially a rivalry game like this, and well, it's on Black Friday. It's all. Always nationally televised. What was it? Two years ago, it was voted the the, uh, the best game in all of college football, and, and that game was amazing. Um, just the way they went back and forth against each other, that was so much fun to watch. Hoping for the same thing this year, obviously. And I don't know. This is like I said just a minute ago about UCF. I think this might be the year that they get dethroned by a Cincinnati team, and. There are some question marks. I mean, we we still don't know who's going to be the quarterback come week one. At least with USF, we, we kind of have some things that we know are going to happen. We know Blake Barnett is the guy. Um, at the same time, it's kind of hard to pick against UCF just because they've been so dominant these past couple of years. Here's the thing with this game. UCF success is all predicated on the quarterback this year. Yes. And this sounds super obvious to say, but if they're playing well, I'm going to pick UCF. But if they're playing how I think they're going to play, which Mac and Wimbush are very inconsistent. So if they're playing inconsistently, I'm probably going to take USF. Whoa! Gunner. Hold the presses. Joe just took USF. No, I didn't. I just said what I'm thinking. I haven't made my pick yet. Sounded like you just did. It's tough. I can't believe I'm about to do this to you, to USF, but I'm going to have them in the season on another. Uh, one, two, uh, four-game losing streak, and finish the season at seven and five, after starting seven and one. Yeah, I'm probably gonna give them a loss here at UCF. 
and UCF's just besides quarterback, they're just so loaded where they don't even if their quarterbacks aren't playing well, they don't, it it almost seems like it doesn't matter. Just get their guys in space and let them work. And I think we think that UCF's defense is better right now. Agree with that? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, Not that they're any good, but... I mean, yeah, well, we've talked about it many times that nobody really plays defense in this conference other than... Seriously. Cincinnati. Right. <laughs> Maybe tumble a little bit. So, yeah, so you're going 6-6? Six and six? Is that what you're saying? 6-6. Six and six. You're at 6-6. Six and six. I'm at 7-5. and five, Ugh. Which would put them... I mean, both of us have them in a bowl game. But, so... Could you also see them, like he said, could they, you see the potential for a, a nine or ten win season there as well, though, right? I, I like, don't see, because I don't see a ten win season, to be honest. Because if they lose to, here are the games that I'm not super confident about. Wisconsin, Georgia Tech, BYU, and then those last four. And I, I don't think you can pull off a 10-win season when you have that many uncertain games. That's, what, seven games that are not great odds? Uh, let me see. According to what Bill has here, he has them as an underdog in one, two, three, four, only five games. Yeah. I, I, eight wins wouldn't be surprising. trying to see it. I think eight is what I'm almost thinking is the ceiling for me. Yeah, I would say six is the floor, eight is the ceiling. To me. Yeah. I mean, that Temple game, yeah, I picked Temple, but, you know, I mean, it, that can go either way, and that would get them to the eight wins, at least for what I picked. Right. I just, it's just really hard with Cincinnati, Memphis, UCF, who I think are going to be the top three teams in the conference when it's all said and done, and to get them all in a row. Even though, you know, the schedule kind of plays in their favor a little bit with two of them being at home and all of the games in Florida, which I didn't even think about until Nathan said it, but it's, I don't know, it's still just hard to, to see them winning even two of those, to be honest. Yep. I concur. But I guess that is all for uh, our USF preview. Uh, we uh, decided that we're doing Houston next, right? Yep. I mean, right, we might so have a guess for them, too. We may or may not. We, we're going to figure those little minor details out. Um, again, we want to thank Nathan for, for joining us. Uh, I, I do like when we bring on guys like him, especially, that are, I mean, he literally lives and breathes that stuff, so he knows everything and adds some insight that you and I probably would have never brought up, but that's the point of we do we doing this, right? Exactly. We get smarter by listening to people too. At the same time, we try. If you're not following Underdog Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter, make sure you do so. Please leave us some reviews on however you're listening to this podcast. And I always forget to do this, but make sure you're also listening to Joe and Eric that are doing the uh, Conference USA podcast. They're really holding it down over there. They're pulling in some great guests over there, too. So we're doing big things over at Underdog Dynasty. 
getting you ready for the uh, college football season. We're almost there, Joe. We're almost there. We are almost there indeed. Slowly but surely getting there. I just have a nice vacation right before it starts. Yeah. I literally pull, get back. I'm gonna pull in all the big big guests for uh, for the podcast while you're gone. Go for it, man! You got 20 days without me. Have a blast. Oh, I will. Ugh, you have fun. I will be on the beaches of Italy. You'll be having your own fun. <laughs> I'll be having my own fun in Amsterdam. Yeah, it could be a, a good old time. All right. Again, thanks for listening to this episode of the, the Underdog Podcast. And until next time. Thanks for listening to our Joe Talk.